Welcome back to In the Huddle on Can You Dig Sports Radio. My name is Zach Kroll, along with my co-host, The Real Will, and we are back on today's show with a very special interview. Joining us today, along with our uh, correspondent, Isaiah Bermuse, we're always happy to have Zay on the show, is going to be a very special guest. He is the founder of uh, Ballin' for Peace, and he's going to join the show today to talk about not only the Ballin' for Peace celebrity softball versus NYPD game, but many more. We welcome Haran Hargrave to join us. Haran, how are we doing today? What's up, man? What's going on, man? That was a pretty good introduction. I like that a lot, man. Um, it's been a while, but uh, thank you guys for having me. Before we get into it, I just wanted to introduce my co-host once again, the real Will. Will, happy to have you back on today's show. Real looking forward to this interview. Yes, sir, bro. I'm looking forward to it. It's been a minute since we had this brother on. The last time we had this brother on, on the platform, we wasn't on Can You Dig Sports, number one, and we was locked in during quarantine. It was I Am Legend outside, all right? So now there's a lot of things that transpired since that, and we're going to get right to it. Isaiah, what's going on? Hey, man, how's it going? It's just another beautiful day, and um, I'm just excited to get to know our guest, man. Let's get right into it. Will, I know uh, Haran is your guy. He, uh, you know, you guys have uh, talked before. So I wanted to throw the mic over to you. Tell uh, everyone a little bit about Haran, and if you have any questions off the bat, the floor is yours. Alright, so I started off introducing my guy here, Haran. Um, he played ball at Sacramento State, as far as my memory goes. And um, he hosts this event each year, probably two or three times during the calendar year, um, called Balling for Peace where, you know, he looks out for the kids. He makes sure the kids have a stable environment. You know, playing ball, stop the violence. Obviously, Balling for Peace is the name, so it should ring a bell. But um, it's a very good event. I've been there a couple times. I had to do um, an internship at the event before. And another time I went over just to, you know, feel the vibe. And it was a good time, both times. So I'm definitely interested and looking forward to this one that we have right now. So, um, Ishu, I want to start off by asking you, you know, it's been a minute. We are back up and rolling next week with our latest event. Can you tell us a little bit about this event and what are some of the new changes that we have to look forward to during the era of COVID and everything that comes with that? Um, well, this is actually the first uh, Balling for Peace um, event that we ha I have done since 2019, December 2019, December 16th. 2019 with the, the last Balling for Peace event that I did. Um, the one before that, it was uh, Bowmore Lanes. It was our holiday toy drive, bowling edition. Um, we actually went up against, uh, Funk Flex had his bowling uh, toy drive the same day, the same night, at the same place, and the same time. And we still had, uh, they wouldn't even let any more people into our, our uh, spot. Like, it was packed out, and um, it was a great night. And, um, yeah, so a lot of people show love, a lot of people show support, but with this new game, uh, this new event that we're doing, um, 2021, July 31st, it's, uh, it, it's, a, it's a blessing that people are still interested and people uh, still want to come out and support um, Balling for Peace. So this is actually our first uh, celebrity softball game. Um, I've never done softball, and it's the first event that I've done. I'm doing in the Bronx as well too. Uh, we never did an event in the Bronx as well, so they need some some love as well. Um, you know, so we're going to be right across the street from Yankee Stadium, and um, we have a lot of 
a lot of up and coming celebrities, some faces that you may know, may not know. Um, and we have, and we're playing against NYPD. I felt that it's very important that we bridge the gap with this one and actually, you know, uh, speak who we're speaking to, right? You know what I'm saying? And uh, yeah. a lot of people, it's a message that we have where people are speaking in general, right? And we're just putting out the message, peace, peace, peace. But our message to peace comes to to the police, right? You know what I'm saying? We need peace and we we need it from you guys. You know, we need to be policed the same, not different. You guys police, you know, everybody knows in our, our, in our community, we're, com we're completely uh, policed differently. You know, it's not the same, you know what I mean? Uh, growing up black in, in the United States, um, is, is completely different. So when you have a message like this, speaking about balling for peace, you want to include, sometimes you want to include the people that you need to speak to or you need to get the message across to. And that's what I'm doing here with this uh, celebrity softball game. And um, it being the first one back, I'm, I'm very excited to uh, be doing, you know, events again and having people and having human interaction again. Like, you know, um, it feels good to, you know, gearing up to it. I love the anticipation right now. I failed to mention that this brother played ball um, professionally oh, yeah. overseas. Yeah. So I wanted to yes, include that into the long bio that my brother over here got. You know what I'm saying? You got to include everything. You got to include all the details, yeah, everything. But um, yeah. before I, I send the rock over to my other co-hosts here on the mic, we talk about peace and we talk about the NYPD and we talk about the kids and everything. You know what's crazy? One of my favorite movies of all time is The Warriors. If you watch the Warriors and you watch the intro, there was a, a peace uh, ceremony in the beginning of the movie right up in the Bronx. So I just wanted to draw that comparison because, you know, this is going to be taking place in the Bronx. Zach, what's going on? Yeah, so uh, inspiring stuff from Haran. My first question for you off the bat is you just mentioned that with COVID, uh, this is going to be your first event since 2019. So my first question for you is when the coronavirus uh, pandemic first started, how did you react and what was your main focus in terms of trying to continue your message and continue your brand even throughout quarantine and the pandemic? Because that was a hard time for everyone. Well, it was definitely a hard time and it actually allowed me to do uh, and be better, right? So I needed to, you know, what like Lil was saying, we're doing constant events, 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 events. And um, I had no, honestly, I didn't have time to Sometimes I didn't have time to regroup because after I finished, I got to plan another one. And um, it became overwhelming. It was becoming overwhelming. And um, so I, I I took my break. You know, I actually was like, you know, sometimes people have FOMO, fear of missing out on things and stuff or people doing certain stuff. And that was never, that was never uh, the way I thought because I always put uh, quality into my events it, do, it doesn't have to be i don't have to do a million events to you know to have people supporting what i'm doing but they will support even if it's that one day of peace right um that's what i'm you know i'm gearing up to and that's what i'm pushing for and that's what i want and that's what i love and um you know so with with COVID happening it was a blessing in disguise i didn't know at first i was like man bro i can't do these events and everything but you know, I can't get the people to come out, but when I realized that everybody was home and everybody was sitting down, you know, um, you're not thinking about that anymore. So now you're thinking about how you can be better for when things open up again. And I was able to get my e-commerce uh, website up, you know, ballingforpeace.org. Um, I was able to um, 
hire a communications director who actually now does all my press releases and all of those things that I needed from before. Um, and just the overall look of the company. Now we're a full-fledged 501c3. Um, before, we, I used to run it under the H2O basketball, uh, my H2O basketball program. And it was a charitable division of H2O basketball. But Bowling for Peace was trademarked as a name, but now it's its own 501c3. And we used to connect with other nonprofits and pretty much give them proceeds and things like that. And it's like, wait, I am a not, you know, I'm doing all this nonprofit work. I need to just create my, you know, do my own. And that's what we, we've done. And I was able to get all of that done during this time, you know, 501c3. And they were also uh, now a stable with the uh, New York State um, charity boroughs list. So now we can get donations from city councilmen, the, the mayor, anybody can give us money now and donate to our cause and we can get grants and funding, which is what you really need to have any business stay afloat. You know, you need capital. You need things, you know, because a lot of the times, well, in the beginning, everything was coming out of my pocket. Every little thing was coming out of my pocket. Um, and you can't, you can't sustain a business with just your, I don't care who you are. You know, millionaires, billionaires, they don't become, they're not just millionaires and billionaires overnight. They get money from the banks. They get capital from someone like, you know, organizations. I just saw, uh, I know the Queensboro president, they just gave Boys and Girls Club $5 million. To, like, you know what I mean? Like, so the money's out there for people to do these programs. And it's just about them seeing you in that proper light. So I had to switch up my whole way of thinking and just take it from just not just from the events, but actually getting all that back and paperwork done and how to really have a business running, you know, and um, that's something that I would want to tell anybody who's who's doing a nonprofit or a for profit. You need that capital to to sustain uh, that that uh, the growth that you need and want in any business. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. Uh, definitely. Yeah, I'll over to you. I just want to uh, give you a flowers early, man, from playing college ball to being a professional athlete to now creating Bowling for Peace. You know, these are um, accomplishments that many people find hard to even grasp to, even trying to just become a college athlete by itself. Because, you know, there's a lot of... Um, Division um, one. Division, division one, one at that. Excuse yeah. me, man. Excuse me. Division one athlete at that. You know, it's not um, easy to be a division one athlete, especially, you know, during college. You still got to do your work and then still be able to play on the floor. So that's, that's just a, like a great accomplishment that you've already gotten to so far. And I just wanted to ask you, you know, like it's a two-part question. Mm -hmm. um, one, what is um, what was the influence behind Bowling for Peace? And two, what is the um, process that you go through to make sure that each event is better than the last? Oh, that's a pretty good question. The process behind Bowling for Peace is, is very simple. Um, the message is peace through sports. I started because of all the senseless acts of violence that was going on. In that time, you know, my best friend got killed from gun violence, you know what I mean, in, in New York City. And um, he wasn't killed by a cop or anything, you know, just you know, like hood stuff, people just, stuff that we just don't need anymore, you know. Um, and, um, you know, so it was, you know, the whole Mike Brown situation, Eric Gardner situation, uh, you know, you had so many situations happening and people were just doing like marches and rallies. And I'm like, and that never works. Like it never worked before. Um, and I don't think it'll ever work now. You know what I'm saying? It just won't. Cause you know, you're doing, you're speaking to people who 
you know, after a couple of days, what happens? Even, you know, some people, they have their New Year's resolutions and it's like, okay, day one, two, three in the gym. After that, it's like, you're not counting anymore, right? You're not, you're going to stop counting and then they're going to stop doing, you know what I'm saying? Like, you just have to really like a machine every day, like push that to different ways of how things are going to work. You know, even when you work out, you work out that same muscle every day. You're not going to, nothing's going to happen. Your, your, your body's going to get used to it. So you have to find other ways of having an impact. And that's what Balling for Peace was all about. Like peace through sports. I know personally that, and I don't know if you guys have played basketball or any sport. When you even playing pickup, <clears throat> you, you pick up somebody from the team. You don't care about where they're from. You don't know their background. You don't care what color they are. You just know you're on that court and you're trying to win. It's Olympics right now, you know, uh, Team USA. We don't care what color we are and everything. It's all USA, USA, USA. But then a lot of times after USA is over, we're back to being the N-word again, right? You know what I'm saying? We're back to being regular, regular. Like, so Bowling for Peace was created to let people know that team sports actually helps, you know, the community. And I'm giving you... I'm giving you uh, uh, receipts of that. You know what I mean? I'm showing you. Like, why is it that, you know, uh, NFL players, you know, they get along. NBA players, they get along. Giannis is from Greece. and all. It doesn't matter where you're from. At the end of the day, when you're on that team, you're coming together. And that's, that's what I've been pushing. Team sports, uh, you know, is the way to go. You know what I mean? Um, get, if we grasp that concept, we will be better as a nation. But I, sometimes, you know, I, I think that they don't want that. You know, they don't want us to be better. They, they just want us to be in that space because if everybody was good, you know, there won't be any police. You know what I'm saying? Like, there won't be any crime. If, you know, um, and this is kind of going off track, but, you know, the people at Walmart, they, uh, like, there's three of them who own it. And um, each of them have over... 40 something billion dollars there's only 330 million people in the united states them alone can give everybody a million dollars those owners can give everyone a million dollars in the united states and still be multi-billionaires right you know what i'm saying but yeah. the they don't want everybody to be good you know even with jobs you're paying people 15 dollars an hour like what do we how is that sustainable to any real living you know, even going, especially you know, in New York, especially in New York. So it's like, and I know I'm, I'm, this is, this is just how I'm thinking, bro. I'll, I'll, you know, I know, you know, I answered that, but I got to let this out. It's like, you know, we, we, uh, we, uh, man, I lost my train of thought. I had, uh, I was going to say they, they give us what they want to give us. Right. And they, 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 we're supposed to just accept that. And, when you do anything to try to do to do better, they they block you. Like I was able, I'm able to get a car loan. I'm able to get a house, uh, you know, to to get a loan for a house. I'm able to get we're able to get school loans and stuff. But try to go get a business loan. Try to go get a business loan. They're gonna deny you. They're gonna deny you, and it's it's very tough. And my I have great credit. I have you know, but one of the hardest things for me has been to get like a, a big uh, line of business credit and um, capital to run this business the right way. Um, and I had to do it a lot by myself. I had to depend on sponsors and, um, you know, fundraising and different things like that. But a lot of it's come from my pocket. 
Like, how, how what, what is uh, the mindset you go through to make sure that each event is better than the last? Well, I, in my head, I, I always say no flops. So when I'm doing an event, I go all out. You know what I mean? Um, you may not see me for months post anything about anything about balling for peace or this, that on my personal page. But when I'm uh, when I'm putting together an event, I'm going all out. I make a phone call. I'm sending out text messages. I'm, you know, hitting up everybody, all my people who've been involved before. And I'm letting them know. Some people will say, yo, yo, you ain't know I had my event. I'm like, yo, you called me? No, you ain't seen it on the gram? No, I didn't see it on the gram. I didn't. I did not see it on Instagram. Did you call me? No. Did you text me? No. Then you really didn't want me to be there. You know what I mean? So I'll call you. I'll text you. Email you. We send out. Like I make sure that people know what I'm doing, um, even when they don't let me know what they're doing. You understand what I'm saying? So like when it comes to down to being innovative and creative. I always have to do that, even down to the design, the ball for peace, our uniforms, our everything. We always look to be the part, even with our staff. We have staff. It's everything that we're doing. Um, and I think about it. Doing a, my first softball game across the street from Yankee Stadium, the backdrop in the background of that is going to be incredible. Like, you know what I mean? It's going to be insane. Um, so I, I, I think about these things. I don't just do them to do them. People was asking me for months, yo, what are you doing, Ball for Peace? I'm like, when I understand what's really happening in this world again, you know, with COVID and everything, I'm not rushing. I'm not going to rush. You know what I mean? So, and I was able to put the time in that it was needed and have, you know, necessary people to be there for this event. So I put the work in to make sure that these events are better than the last time. And just even little things down to like, having stickers and pens and stuff to give away. Like, you know, people don't think about that stuff. Having vendors, new vendors that are selling drinks and food or this or whatever merchandise they have. Cause you're actually having opportunities for other people to make money as well too when they when they come to your events. And that's why, you know, and it's not just about me. Cause if it was about me, I would just be chilling somewhere. Like right now I'm, I'm in Houston. I'm, I'm working with Nike, I'm doing, um, I'm doing uh, the, the basketball camps and stuff like that. So I'm good. You know, it's for my peoples. You know what I mean? What I want to do and give back to my peoples and ball for pieces for the people. So that, that's that. We will be continuing our interview with Ron after the commercial break as you're listening to In the Huddle Sports Radio on Can You Dig Sports. Welcome back to In the Huddle on Can You Dig Sports Radio. Once again, my name is Zach Kroll, along with my co-host, Real Lil, and our correspondent, Isaiah. We are joined by a very special guest, Haran Hargrave. He's telling us everything about his Bowen for Peace organization and everything that it stands for. And we will be continuing our interview with Haran. Well, I um, I kind of been doing a lot of peace work even when I was in college. Um uh, I started something years ago called Queen's Week. Well, actually, it was Queen's Day. And um, we used to have, like, face painting for the kids. And we had a basketball tournament. We, I actually did that tournament last year during 2020, during the pandemic. Gave out $5,000 to the winning team. And um, that's been going on for, for a very long time. But I haven't did it in a, I didn't do it in a long time. Um, my business partner, my boy, David Buckner, he had a... He had his, his daughter and stuff like that, and um, we kind of just stopped doing it. And um, we only did it, we brought it back um, this past year um, in 2020, and it was really dope, man. We had 12 teams. We gave out $5,000 to the winning team. It was a game was 21 by ones and twos, or whoever's winning after 20 minutes running time, 
uh, full court, five on five. It was it's, it's double elimination. Just imagine the, the 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 play that these people are playing and the level that they're playing at. It was pretty dope. But um, what inspired me about that is that I've been doing things like that since uh, since I was in college, since like you know, uh, two thousand and early two thousand eight, two thousand seven. It was been a long time, you know, and um, it it was. These moments when, like, my, my best friend got killed. You know what I'm saying? I, I went to high school with him. He got killed in the hood. And just is like, what what are we doing, man? Like, you know, um, it, it, it was crazy. So that was the moment that I started doing these peace uh, events and stuff. And, um, you know, I was doing that for a couple of years. It went from Queen's Day to Queen's Week. And, um, we, you know, it was in my neighborhood. And then... Um, Again, we stopped it for a while, and um, Born for Peace came about when, the, you know, the whole uh, Mike Brown and Eric Gardner situation came about. It was just like, man, what are we doing? You know, and, and if no one's going to do anything about it, I'm going to do something about it. And that first event that I had at Baruch College was was insane. And I had over 2,000 people there. It was crazy. It was packed. Uh, uh, you know, but that that's what, you know, um, got me going. All it, it was, it was the act that was happening. It was just like I don't want to sit back anymore. Um, and if nobody's gonna do anything, I'm gonna do something. And that that was the moment because it was just a lot of killings going on. And it was just insane, bro. The, the last time I had you on one of my podcasts, we talked about your collegiate career. We got to the the roots, you know, and we talked about it. But um, since then, and also before that, before I even get to that. When we did talk about your collegiate career, we talked about how the highway robbery that is of the NCAA. Um, my thought is definitely it should be paid. You know what I'm saying? Like, I think that, you know, they saying, oh, okay, this school doesn't get that much revenue or they may not get. So, yeah, you do it on on levels. Like, yeah. you know what I'm saying? You have A-list, C-list, and, and A-list, B-list, and C-list contracts. But you got to pay them. Yeah. Because you're getting paid. Like NCAA, they're nonprofit. I don't know how. Like, but they sell. Like, where does all that money go? Like, you have, you have, you know, every game, home game. It's like you're running a business. Since the last time we spoken, and we talked about the college athletes not being paid, we do have this. Um, the NCA announcing that college athletes are able to profit from their name, likeness, and image. I want to know your thoughts on this particular law that was just passed a couple weeks ago? Uh, I feel like it's, it's good, but it's still not enough, right? Um, they should be paying the athletes. The school should be paying the athletes, not other people. They're still getting away with it. They're still just giving them a scholarship, but they're allowing them to use their name to get outside resources to pay for them. You understand what I'm saying? And I'm sure they'll do some things and they'll create some programs and they'll create some stuff that they can probably get paid but that's what they need to do they need to uh because all they did was say like now if i have a a, a sponsorship uh or somebody wants to pay me for my likeness they can pay me to wear nike sneakers instead of uh adidas you know what i'm saying like that's all they're pretty much doing um you know uh, like making these players independent contractors but these schools aren't paying them you know what I mean? They're still like, okay, you have a scholarship, you're good. If you're that good, get something from TikTok. If you get, you know, get your YouTubes up and 
but you still have to create that income. They're not doing it. So they just kind of like low-key pass the buck, but it's better than nothing. I wish I was able to have that, you know, um, and they're relying on social media. What if we didn't have social media? You know what I mean? So if we didn't have social media, how are these kids even still going to get their likeness? You know, and then a lot of, you know, a lot of these other schools ain't on TV. They're not Duke. They're not North Carolina. So everybody needs to get paid. You know, if you're a Division I athlete on any level, you need to get paid. If you're whatever athlete in NCAA, D2, 3, whatever, you should be getting paid some money. You're playing basketball, and a lot of these people, or you're playing sports, football, whatever, a lot of these people don't play pro. So this is the only time that they can get some money like that um, and, and play for, for playing a sport that they love. Because it gets very tough after you're, it gets very tough when you're done. Because it's less and less job opportunities for players to play anywhere. And what happens a lot of times is you get, get frustrated and people quit. And it's just like, you know, let me start my next chapter of my life. But uh, it's not enough sports after college. So while you're in college, you should be able to get as much as you can from it financially. Um, you can be set up because all college does is set you up to work. You know what I mean? And, and, and it doesn't really, like, now you may make millions in college now. You don't have to work anymore. You know what I mean? And it was just a whole old mindset of school and how how it was. And, and they, they also had to keep up because the, the D-League was, you know, starting to bring plays in straight from high school and paying them half a million dollars and stuff like that. So they just they just had to, like, okay, we, we, all right. We're giving in. We're going to do something. like, And I think that's what that was. But I don't think they really care. They've been getting away with murder for years, bro. Like, you know, NCAA is a multi-billion dollar organization. And um, to have never... They're a non-profit as well. They're a non-profit organization. And for them to have never paid anybody, or don't have to pay anybody, I would love to look at their books and how they, how they get to do certain things. But they'll tend to look at smaller businesses and, and wrap them up before these big entities like the NCAA, um, you know, and they just let them get away with murder, you know, but um, I guess they're trying. So I'm going a, I'm to a take that, you know what I mean? I'm going to take what they're doing right now with these kids. And I just love the fact that they do have an opportunity, some sort of an opportunity to make some money. And um, I just wish I was able to do it too when I was hooping. So. And I can only imagine, man, like, it's just it's extremely tough world, man. I'm just grateful that there are individuals who are willing to give back and like have make creating organizations to make sure that there's we're um understanding, you know, that there's better in the world and you know, and I just like I said, gotta give you a flowers, man. You're doing a lot for the community, especially doing a lot for yourself, even with the um Nike camps and like giving back to the kids and I actually want to ask you, like, when did your relationship with Nike start, like uh with the training camps? Um, well this is new. I just I've always uh love nike i always had nike i think they're the best uh sporting brand in in the world you know what i mean and i'm not just saying that because i'm working with them now it just is really like uh i've always felt that way you know i've always been a nike person not that you know i'll wear adidas and stuff like that but it's just a, it's a different feeling when you got nike on you know what i mean it's just like you yeah. feel a little like okay i got my <laughs> nike joints you know what i mean the kobe this like and um, it just feels different. And I've always played with Nikes. Um, I never played in any other sneaker um, besides when I was, I had two sneaker deals with uh, 
Peak, and I had it was a, a sneaker company called Ecdio, and it was supposed to like protect your your ankles and everything like that. And I I um I had signed with them. I had so I, w- I had two sneaker deals when um and not playing in the NBA. You know what I mean? So that was a, a dope feat feat that I did. But uh the relationship happened with Nike. Um it came from a relationship from one of my homies. Like I literally uh and this is how it happened. So you never know who's who and how people can who perceive you. So one of my homeboys uh you know we was out at a uh, at a lounge and stuff and he introduced me to one of the heads of nike who runs uh, the national camps and stuff like that and um he's like this is my boy he's swole he's going for peace to play pro ball like running down my resume to the guy he's like yo y'all need the link i need to meet and um you know like anybody else people talk to you and you're like yeah i got you man i'm gonna hit you up blah 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 right and it's like okay cool you know so the dude really hit me two days later he's like yo come over you know come to the crib uh let's have you know let's chop it up having like a little family thing or whatever i came through cool chill vibes a month after that he hits me up like yo um we had some ramen like we you and, uh, like it was like let's go to this ramen spot went to this ramen spot he's like yo i want i would love for you to be my uh national camp director like come you know and i've been flying around different places doing these basketball camps and um, I kind of got away from doing the training and stuff a lot because it got oversaturated in New York. Um, I started my H2O basketball program where I coach and train kids um, since 2014. And um, and when I was doing that, I was, you know, building with the kids that I had, but there's a lot of cutthroat stuff going on and I just kind of got away from it in 2019. I kind of like fell back from doing the training a lot. And then also COVID hit, but I did some stuff last summer, a little here and there when people will hit me up to request, but I stopped promoting me training. I stopped promoting it. Um, but people kind of like called me to come and do it. But um, that whole Nike situation came back organically from just conversation with someone. And it's just, you never know who can put you on, you know, all the stuff that I've been doing and trying to get with like a Nike or trying to, you know, I've had people who I know work for Nike. And I've reached out to them, like, do some stuff. And, hey, can we, you know, but nothing ever happened. They see everything that I did. But it took a complete stranger, somebody that I didn't know. Um, and one of my boys, so it's like, Lil, if you hit me up and you tell somebody that, yo, this guy's dope, y'all should work together. And it actually happened. So that's how that happened. You know what I mean? But there are people who I know that I know work for Nike. And probably, like, how did he get in? Like, you know what I mean? I did everything in my power not to let him in. Like, you know what I'm saying? But it's um it's people like that. So sometimes um, so, you can know people, but it's also about how people uh, perceive you. And sometimes, a lot of times, people that you do know don't want to see you shine. You know what I'm saying? It's like, you know, it's, you can do good, but not better than them. They don't want to see you do more than them. And it's that type of industry, too, that we're in right now. That I see that same thing. Yeah. For real. We will be continuing our interview with Ron after the commercial break as you're listening to In the Huddle Sports Radio on Can You Dig Sports. So I want to get over to this topic and um, probably end off here. I'm talking some, you know, sports a little bit here. 
um loyalty is a big thing um for me it's a big thing i'm pretty sure it's a big thing for you as well um no, to see Giannis, <laughs> to see Giannis be loyal to the franchise of the bucks <laughs> say you know what i don't need to play with Dwayne wade i don't need to play with kevin durant i don't need to play with steph curry chris middleton you all i need drew holiday you all i need i'm gonna be loyal to the franchise that drafted me how do you feel um about that him winning the championship over there and what it could mean for the nba going forward the next couple of years i don't i don't think it'll mean anything for the nba moving forward it's just a lot of sucker moves that have happened in the nba um uh for a very long time and i i love if, if chris paul won it i would have loved it if Giannis won it i would have loved it um i really wanted chris paul to win i actually put up a little post the other day about it like i just was speaking in my stories about it like how i love that he did it there you know what i'm saying and he, he didn't leave to go nowhere else man like you know how rare that is man with these guys nowadays he don't want to like braun has offered Giannis to work out with him for years Giannis, nah i'm cool i don't want to play with you i want to play against you so him winning home at mill in milwaukee the team that he got drafted from and you see his growth. They've been showing pictures of him when he was super skinny and how he built. Build that. Tell that story. And that will make the NBA better. That will make players stop running around, just jumping on super teams and like making. It was so uncomfortable when the Cavs and Warriors every year was going to the finals. That was probably the worst time in basketball. Like, you know what I mean? I'm like, yo, no one has a chance. Like, you know. To get the Milwaukee Bucks and the Phoenix Suns in the NBA championship this year, that is like precious. You know what I'm saying? And I say that why from a basketball standpoint, that just lets you know that everyone has a chance. You know what I'm saying? There's no one more like dominant team than the others. And um, all those rings from, you know, KD's still tarnished. Like, you know what I'm saying? But to me, he's in Brooklyn now and it's it's like okay but you went to the warriors like a team that won 73 games without you broke the, the record you were up 3-1 against them and you joined that team like to get your ring like that's corny like it was just like yo how can anybody beat this no one's supposed to beat that team you're not supposed to lose like you got a like you got an all-star squad in the in the NBA, like in the regular, like what? All those teams, all of those guys could have been leading their own teams, but it's so hard to win games, period. And it's hard to win championships, and it just goes to the work ethic of these players. Now, a lot of them they work, but they don't want to really be dogs. They're not like how Jordan was. Like Jordan wanted to beat everybody, like you know. And it's it's you know Kobe wanted to beat everybody. Kobe played with the Lakers twenty years. People overlook that all the time. Like, you know what I'm saying? This man played with the same franchise his entire career. So when people be like, oh, Braun is better. No, he's not. He's not better than him. Like, you know what I'm saying? He, he can't be better than somebody like that who did it the way he did it. You know what I mean? And, it, and that means a lot more. Like, even with me playing in street ball and stuff like that, all these teams, all they do is pack on other dope players and it's like yo man this it's it's crazy it's washed and that's why like i'm like i'm not i don't really care to play like you know what i mean and it's like it's it's crazy though but i love what he did i appreciate stuff like that when players stay home and win 
it's it's uh it's phenomenal. I hope that I hope that more players see that. And you know, because it was a dog fight. It was it was a good finals. It was like okay, what? cool. I really don't know who's gonna win. Yo, Phoenix, they went up 2-0. You was like, oh, it's over. And then they won four in a row. Like, come on, man. Like, it, it was a dog fight. And I, I love to see basketball like that. I enjoy that type of basketball. I don't enjoy when you already know the outcome. I don't, like, it's like wrestling. You already know who's going to win. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So I, I, I enjoyed this season. Um, I enjoyed the fans coming back. Um, that bubble championship was open wreck, private run. Uh, <laughs> it was private run. Like, that, that championship is whatever that will have like you know I don't think that you know that's uh you know Laker fans would be like oh we won but and LeBron fans would be like we won but you know and I'm not a Braun hater don't you know I'm not a LeBron hater I just don't I don't rock with what he what he did first like going yeah. to the heat and he started all this stuff they say the Celtics did but they didn't the Celtics were all in their 12th and 13th year in their seat, and they and they got traded there. Kevin Garnett got traded from there. You know, Ray Allen got traded to us. None of them signed there. They re-signed, you know, but they had a young Rondo. Rondo was like, you know, they didn't have, you know, they had Kendrick Perkins. They didn't have a super team. They had, team, like, guys who were older veterans who were like, yo, we're going to play together. We were, you know, we were in our prime. We're not in our prime no more, and we're going to make this work. The, the Celtics were trash before that. Paul Pierce, they didn't make the playoffs or anything. I don't. People forgot, but I remember because you know I was actually happy when they got together because I'm like, yo, they're coming together. Not I'm year six or seven into my career and in my prime, and I'm gonna go play with my competition, Dwayne Wade, and I'm gonna bring in Chris Bosh, who's the best player to ever play with the Raptors, right? And then. You know, I because I say that you know because you know Vince Carter, you know whatever. But <coughs> you know that was that was crazy. And then you praise somebody like that. He went to the he went to the championship four years with Miami. They should have won all four years. They didn't beat. And when Dirk won, I feel like Giannis winning is like kind of similar when Dirk won with Dallas. You know what I mean? Like you beat the odds. You know what I mean? You beat these super teams. They had to overcome. Chris Middleton is an all star. He's fine, but he's not the look of what, what the NBA. The NBA will tell you who's good and who's not good. That's what it. But these players are really good. Drew Holiday's probably the best on-ball defender in the entire NBA, but he gets no love for it. But a real basketball player sees that and knows that. You know. But the common fan, they go with who they say is the the illest. They talk about Ben. Sim ben Simmons sucks. He sucks. <laughs> You can put this any Ben Simmons is terrible. I don't <laughs> care how you getting paid all that money. And you're afraid to shoot a, a, a jump shot. I've seen this guy pass three, two, just pass it. Like yo, dude, like yo, what? A, like the court is about to be over. He will hold the ball. Yo, watch Ben Simmons, bro. Like he, people don't. Yo, he is is something. He's afraid to shoot shots. You can't win. He had a wide open dunk. Dude gave him the ball underneath the rim. He shoots and then passes the ball out like dude and he gets bad when the guy gets fouled like yo bro that was your dunk like you know what are you i don't know but these are the people who they glorify these are the people who go number one pick 
in the NBA draft and then they they push yo Ben Simmons he's a beast he's the next LeBron no way this guy sucks he sucks let me ask you what's your take on Zion Zion is who Zion is what do you, I, mean, I watch this kid, man. He pops. A lot of people are kind of, I don't want to say haters, but like, I'm not saying he's the next LeBron, but like, I feel like a lot of people don't give him enough credit in terms of some of the young stars in the NBA, maybe uh, somewhere in New Orleans uh, being there has a lot to do with it. But I watch this kid, man. I think he's special. No, nah, he is. He's very special for what he is. He's nothing else other than who he is. He finishes around the rim. He'll, you know, he'll make the little mid-range and stuff. Plays bully ball, plays some defense, run down blocks, different things like that, highlights. But he is who he is. He's he's not LeBron. He's not going to come in and be, uh, he's not going to come. He'll change your franchise. He'll get more eyes and ears watching you and listening and seeing. But he's not, he's not, you know, like somebody who's going to bring up the ball and play PG and stuff like that. And the NBA, again, when they get some of these players, it's almost like they're getting the hype of the player. And yeah. they don't actually get the play. Like, they don't understand. And they feed that hype into you. So you like, all right, you watch them with, like, some Kobe Jordan eyes, right? And when these guys aren't them, and you're like, uh, you, you know, Zach Levine's better than this guy. Like, you know what I mean? This, you know, it's like, wait. But it's who they push down your throat. Like, yo, this guy is. And that's, you know, but Zion does great. He does really, really good. He's really well, but... You're pushing him as the next LeBron, and people are looking at him as LeBron. And what LeBron does is he passes. Zion may make some good passes, but he's not like a triple double guy. Like he's not like Westbrook or anybody. Like, but for what he does, he's amazing at it. You know what? I mean? Let that guy be who he is. Let him create his legacy. Don't try to make him into a legacy player before he even plays. But Zion is very good. He's a very good player. Very good talent. Franchise leader. You know, he can be that if he gets a point guard that's really like, you know, Lonzo Ball isn't it. I please keep him away from the Knicks. I, I hope that, you know, he doesn't come to the Knicks. But we don't need him, you know. Um, and we didn't He's talk going. about that, but my Knicks made the playoffs, man. And I told a lot of people before that that they were going to play well. When Thibodeau came and everything, I knew that they were going to play well. I was on other podcasts speaking about it. I was like, it's a different energy with that guy. And he won coach of the year. He got them guys to play basketball. You know what I'm saying? And that's all it takes. People talking about Dolan. What happened to Dolan? What happened to those talks? No, no talks about Nobody Dolan. Nobody talked about it. Nobody talking about Dolan because you win, the players play basketball. I never cared what my, as long as my check is there, bro, that's all I cared about. They put so much emphasis on Dolan. And I think this year they was like, yo, even in the league, they're like, yo, stop doing these stories on Dolan. If the Knicks are going to play, let them play ball. Like, you know, it, it has to come from that. You're talking about a guy who's not on the court. And for every player, like, I never cared what my owner did. As long as my money's there, I'm straight. My owner ain't, as long as he's not playing me, he's not giving me minutes. You heard Aaron Rodgers? You heard this? Okay. <laughs> oh, my gosh. The Rodgers told me. <laughs> you feel me? My owner ain't giving me minutes. Yeah. You understand? When I'm on that court, I'm not thinking... I, who's a, oh man, I wonder what James Dolan doing there while I missed this three. Like, <laughs> what? I gotta ask so, you a Knicks question now because now you got me hype. You know, I'm a Knicks fan. You know, I gotta ask you this. Man. I gotta ask you this, man. So, listen, B, I've been a Knicks fan for like so long since I was a kid, man. And yep. in the last 10 years or so, or even before that, oh. you know, after that, 
the Knicks haven't had a, a solid point guard. And we could say, like, the point guard position has been a, a desperate need for the Knicks. And I know you mentioned we don't really need Lonzo Ball. So, like, in your oh. opinion, someone who definitely played the game on a professional level in a collegiate level, Division One, do you feel like the Knicks need more of a playmaker or more of a scorer at that point guard position? Because they got Sexton, that was rumors, and then they had Lonzo Ball and other players, or should it just go through the draft and get a player through the draft like Sharif Cooper or another guard? To, to you know, you can add a piece from the draft, but then for what New York needs, like Thibodeau doesn't really like rookies. He likes solid pros, and that's why, like the last time the Knicks had success, we had Jason Kidd at the one. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Even his old behind, have old. You know what I'm saying? He was able to lead the team. They need a pure point guard. They need somebody who's going to get people the ball and who's going to demand respect from the locker room. You know, and they need they need a, a real creator. Um, you know, somebody who who can knock down the three or knock down the you know, mid range and stuff like that, but get people involved. Chris Paul was a great leader, you know, this year and stuff, but like I don't you know, I, I wouldn't want him to come to New York. I um so yeah, I don't think they need a Chris Paul, they don't need nobody like that. They just need somebody who's gonna you know, get the job done and uh, like but a veteran point guard, you know, and um We'll do, we'll, do, we'll do fine. We'll do more than fine. You know what I'm saying? And they need another scorer. They need another, like, a pure score. Like, if they had, like, a Devin Booker or something like that, that would be fine. Um, the last question before we, we leave, because we had it for time. Um, I had to bring it up because it crossed my mind um, during the show. I happened to see a video with you and Nate Robinson together um, at the gym. So... I wanted to know your thoughts. We all know, I think it was a year ago, Tom be flying. We in a pandemic, excuse me if I'm um, misinterpreting um, the time. But he fought Jake Paul, got knocked out. Uh, what was your thoughts on that and how the media kind of attacked him after that and everybody was laughing? Um, do you think that they should have showed more respect in the sense that he got in the ring? Not everybody is willing to get in the ring and box. What was your thoughts on that being close, a little, you know, having a relationship with Nate Robinson? Well, um, boxing is crazy. Over over the quarantine, I, I, I took into boxing. I started training and stuff like that. It's something my dad always did and wanted me to do. Um, but I, I, uh, I um, you know, you can't play boxing. You know what I mean? There's nothing you can play. You can't play around with that. You got to be serious about it. And it takes longer than just a couple of months of training to get, get in that range. And, um, you know, I think the media did what the media's going to do. We're in a world where these kids run media. So, like, if something crazy happens, we're in a world where kids record fights and make it fun, fun of people, like, getting beat up. Some people getting killed. So, like, somebody getting knocked out, you know, <laughs> it's going to be funny to them. Like, you know, but that wasn't funny. Like, you know, it's, uh, but, you know, Nate Robinson's a strong dude. He's, uh... He's fiery, and he'll, he'll probably be back to box again, man. Like, you know, who knows? But Nate Robinson does a lot, you know what I'm saying? And Nate Robinson's a great dude, good guy. And um, I don't think you've seen the last time in that boxing room. One more thing, too. Was you in a movie? I don't know if it's just me, but I went to the movies one time, and I saw Uncut Gems. And there was a scene in the movie where I, I thought I saw you um, dribbling the basketball. Maybe it was just me. Yeah, that, that was me, man. I made a, a little... <laughs> You know, uncut gems. Adam Sandler stole the ball from me. You know, that was that was uh, definitely yeah. a 
roll. That was definitely a roll because that sound would never still perform for me in real life. See, see, I peep everything, bro. I'm very observant. That's one of the traits that I tell Zach all the time. So I peep that. Yeah, that was me. I, um, it was. It came out on Christmas Day in 2019, and then it was re-released uh, on Netflix, uh, and it was the number one trending movie. So like. Matthew was hitting me up about yo, you uncut gem. Like yeah, that was you know a couple months ago. Like it's Christmas, like and everybody yo, but everybody was home during the pandemic, and I didn't know it was the number one trending movie on Netflix. So while people were calling me, everybody, my phone was blowing up even more than when it came out in the movie theaters. And um, I think it was because everybody was home and they saw it. And it was a very important time in that movie. It was actually going to get the gem from the from Kevin Garnett. And everybody, I guess everybody's eyes was on that next scene, and I was in the next scene. Like, you walk into the gym, and then it's me. It's like, you either know me or you don't. Like, so people would call me from elementary, middle school, like high school, college. I got, you know, old co workers. I'm like, you made the? it. Yeah, you like, made it. <laughs> so that little cameo was dope, but it was, it was a cameo, but it was like a, an important cameo. Like, you know, it wasn't like, Somebody just walking in the background type. It was like, I see your face. That's wrong. Like, you know what I mean? So yeah. um, it was pretty dope, man. That was a great movie too, by the way. Yeah, but man. um, so yeah, I would just say, um, looking forward to next week, Balling for Peace. Um, over there by Yankee Stadium, you have the NYPD versus Balling for Peace in yeah. a softball event that everybody needs to tap into. So Haran, before we let you go. Is there any information that you want everybody listening to know about this event and where they can find you on social media? Now, so make sure you guys follow me, H205, on Instagram. That's the letter O, not zero. Follow Ballin' for Peace, B-A-L-L-I-N, the number four in the word, Peace. Hit us up on our um, on our uh, website as well, ballinforpeace.org, B-A-L-L-I-N, the number four in the word, Peace.org. Um, you can also support with your purchase, you know, buy a T-shirt or two. Um, and um, you can donate. It's a free event. You know, we're on Eventbrite. Um, so dot softball at Eventbrite.com. Um, check us out there. Come out. It's a free event. We'll have food, drinks, vendors out there. Um, we're going to have a good time. We're going to play tug of war against the police and everything. So, and, 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 you know, softball. And um, so it's going to be good. We're going to be in the Bronx. My first event in the Bronx. I feel excited about it. We have over 500 RFPs already. So, it's going to be dope. Good to hear, Zach, take us home, Zach. Haran, I just wanted to say thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate it. A lot of valuable information gained. And I just wanted to say you're welcome on our show anytime. We really appreciate you joining us and have a great weekend. Two brothers. Good weekend, man. Now you're you got to get right.